Tech Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest news in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Every Friday evening on RTE Radio and of course you can get it first on Friday mornings with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, e-scooters, like them or love them, they've got batteries and because they've got batteries means they've got tech and some of it is absolutely amazing. Uh, Charlie from ZipMobility.com will be telling us more about that. But the big story of the week uh, to chat about is, of course, Apple and the Worldwide Developer Conference, which has been going on all week. Uh, Joining me to chat about it is Niall Kitson, our editor-in-chief. Niall, highly disappointed that you didn't sit down and watch it all live Close inverted commas. Oh, 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 if we're if we if we're throwing stones mm, in that department, mm, you yeah, you I watched, I watched it live. Watched it live. Yes, you did not. I, I did. I did. You did not. Did. Why did you say I did not? Because you fell asleep. I promise not to tell anybody. <laughs> you, gee, thanks. I got about an hour into it, and then it was like, oh no, they just they were going on. It was the iPad bit, and I was just, oh, here. <laughs> yeah, you see, at least I was honest. It was a bank holiday. You can multitask on an do. iPad. You can have one application on that side and one other side. Oh God, really? <laughs> I actually no, no. came across somebody, and I'm going to defend Apple here who explained very well why Apple are always late to the party. And it's because everything within Apple works with everything else. And I know you want to talk about something specifically uh, uh, to do with that. So kind of like when you're talking Android, you're just talking about mobile phones and and that's pretty much it. And you could do this cool thing and da-da-da and all that kind of stuff. That's all you have to worry about. If you want to do something on iOS... They like it to also work on macOS and on your iPad and uh, so and and then it links in with your email and all of your other Apple services. And so, so that's why it takes a little bit longer. But anyways, that's I thought that was a fairly good description. Well, more so, more so over the last few years, because you remember Microsoft, uh, I think when the Surface started to come out, they were talking about continuity. And the idea was you developed uh, an app for one device and it could be used with minimal tweaking uh, across all of them. So you basically built something with a phone in mind, but hey, it could be scaled up for tablet and uh, PC very, very easily. Um, and of course, that that died because Windows Mobile died. Windows Phone died to death. So the, the only, uh, it was basically Surface and PC. And of course, uh, Windows runs perfectly fine uh, on on tablets, mm. as, as we know. Um, so there was no need for that kind of uh, mindset anymore. It, it had sort of passed. Whereas Apple are doing it very differently because they they have segmented their operating systems into iPadOS, uh, iOS, and uh, macOS. So when something works across all three platforms, all of a sudden it's magical. It's a big deal because you already love these other platforms because they work. Uh, and now we've got something that will work across all three. And this is something we talked about years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do, when we said, you know, aesthetically, they're coming, they're pretty much in line with each other. So does that mean we're going to see more crossover between uh, these devices? And branding wise, it doesn't sound like there is. I mean, iPad OS and iOS sound like very different products, but that's not the case. 
uh, we are seeing more and more integration and things that you would see on Mac OS, I think increasingly we're seeing on iPad OS and uh, maybe a more stripped down version on iOS, but mm. certainly not a, an incompatible one. So you can see that that roadmap is in place and, you know, more power to them. So uh, do you want to go through sort of the well, uh, before, the event as you saw it? No, I want to dive straight into the thing that really stole your heart because it ties in exactly what you were talking about with things working mm. across several. What was the highlight of the entire day? Yeah, well, normally, you know, we watch these things and two or three three things will come up and you go, that's handy. Uh, you know, I'm maybe not, not waiting on that to come out, but that's handy. Um, I think we saw it with, uh, what, what were they called? App slices. Um, but basically, you scanned a code and you only had to use the bit of an app that you wanted to complete a transaction or to complete a specific function. And it's, it, they just kind of fell by the wayside. They're still there, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen cause to use mm. one anywhere. Um, but I saw universal control and I was smitten. So universal control, what this is, you basically have your um, laptop or your iMac running Mac OS and you have your iPad beside you running iOS 15 or sorry, running iPad OS. And what you will be able to do is to use your iPad as a second screen for your Mac. Now, as somebody that is a habitual user of second screens, but also someone that over the past years had to downsize their office space. It's just, you know, I used to have like a 15 inch um, laptop and a 21 inch monitor sitting side by side. I don't have that room anymore. I've had, I've seen as I've had to relocate to a different part of the house. So, but to have the option of whenever I want, set up a second screen wirelessly and have be able to drag and drop things across both screens and um, that is absolutely fantastic. And that solves a problem for me, which is which is a big deal. Because, you know, for me, the only thing that was stopping um, my iPad from becoming my uh, go-to device for work and, and everything else was the fact that it, it didn't have mouse control. You know, it was just something mm. simple as that. Um, but now I can get a, you know, an entry-level MacBook Air and use this as a as a second screen, and I don't need to worry about additional cabling. I don't need to worry about cluttering up part of the house with something that uh, that I kind of need. So for that, universal control gets the gets the big thumbs up and for me. Universal control is so much more than a second screen because essentially it's a second device. And I love Craig when he was kind of. <laughs> Showing off, he really was proper showing off the, the entire presentation. It was just, it was, it's all about Craig. <laughs> um, but what I kind of liked about it was he said that he, he had three screens on the go. So he had a laptop in the middle, uh, he had an iMac off to his left, and he had a, an iPad to his right. And what he was demonstrating was that he could use the keyboard and mouse on the uh, laptop that he was using to go over to the iPad and control that, mm -hmm. that's fine. And then also go over to the iMac and that's fine. But what the thing that he demonstrated was that he had a file on the iPad, an actual file on the iPad that he was able to mm -hmm. drag fr from the iPad across the laptop and onto the MacBook and then copy the file onto the, uh, uh, the iMac and insert it into whatever document he was working on. How brilliant is and, that? And that was 
kind of impressive. That's proper impressive because as someone who works, like I'll be out in the field and I'll be working with a lot mm. of text files. I'll come back. I have to write up a story. I'll need to do some work on graphics. Mm. I need to work CMS. Uh, just to have that, you know, the raw material on yeah. one machine and be able to copy and paste it straight over yeah. onto another. So you don't have to think uh, about networking or the disks no. or where it is and does this talk to that and what's the IP? Do you just kind of, okay, there's the thing. I just grab it there and I drag it over there and I'm done. done. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was very nice. For me, uh, I thought the highlight of the day was uh, their moves on privacy. And they yes. didn't really make a huge thing about it, but the fact that Siri is going to be used on device, I think is enormous. Because one of the things that they don't tell you when you're using uh, any of the smart speakers or when you're using Siri or whatever it is, is that when you talk to it, it's not being processed on the actual unit in your home. It's going to a server somewhere and it's being dealt with. And then the reply is coming back to you. And in order to improve the service, they will listen to conversations. Human beings will listen to conversations in order to be able to adapt the software and uh, kind of put some human intelligence on top of the artificial intelligence. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I think you're being a little bit tinfoil hattish there because Apple's thing no, has always not, been Apple has always said that Siri is on device no not Google Assistant ah uh, ah uh, no it's not they announced no they announced this week that it will be on device which means that up until this point it wasn't well they announced that it would be on third party devices explain yourself right? so it'll be on HomePod but if you're you know if you're developing something you can actually push in to have oh, Siri on something okay. instead so of So if I'm Assistant. building a fridge and I want to build Siri into it, I'd be able to do that as a third party. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's not what exactly. I'm talking so about. slightly different. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm just talking yeah, about okay. is Siri actually lives in a central server somewhere, okay? So when you speak to your right. phone or your device or whatever, your voice is going to that central server where your request is being processed and, and it'll do whatever it's, it's going to do. And in order to improve that, they will take random samples of conversations and real human beings will listen to them to make sure that Siri is either doing it right or to improve Siri. And that is a huge privacy concern. It The way they do it is it's just stuff that's taken out at random. OK, so it's essentially like mm. I could be having a private conversation or a row with my wife or whatever it is, or, or I could be talking to my, my um, bank about whatever. And there is somebody 5000 miles away who doesn't know me or even where I live or anything about me. And they can literally just hear that snippet of conversation. So in some ways, it's kind of you're losing your privacy, but you're not. Mm, anyway, yeah, I digress too yeah. much. What I really liked about the privacy was that it is all now going to be handled on your device. So you yeah. will literally speak to your device and your device will respond to you. And it's literally between the two. It does not leave the room, literally. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great. And there was quite a few little things that you have used before through other services mm -hmm. that have actually been integrated into Apple. And I think hide my email is a great oh, one. Great one. Yeah. You, you, you used um, a service years ago and it basically generated um, temporary email addresses yeah, just a, for filling out forms. There's a ton of them online. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and everything is a form now and put, put your email address and then confirm your email address. And if it's something that I'm literally just flipping past and just want to have a, a quick look at or whatever, I don't really want to sign up for it. 
I'll use one of those fake email address generators. Apple also mm. announced this week that they are going to build that into their system so that you are mm. able to just, they'll give you a whatever username to use at iCloud.com and, yeah. and it'll be forwarded to your email and then dispensed with within 24 hours or whatever. And they're also introducing uh, measures to hide your IP address. Now, this well. actually is quite good. I love the I love the spin, and they say it's amazing, and they they paint it like you know it's something brand new. But essentially, it's a it's a proxy server or a, or a VPN or both of them together. I think is actually what they're doing in a dual level of uh, security, so that when you visit a website or you visit somewhere, they don't know who you are or where you're coming from. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, and of course through Safari. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> As opposed to any other third party browser you you might have uh on your device. Mm. But um that was that was really nifty as well. And also if you're unsure as to what measures are running on your device, you can bring up a report and it'll say, okay, X number of cookies are tracking you and you've enabled this, mm. you've enabled that. Uh here's something else you can do. Um I think that's that's fantastic they've, as well. They've done quite a bit of work actually on Safari, just uh, cosmetically, if nothing else, uh, where they're, they've tidied up the address bar and uh, the tabs and, and the way that it's all <laughs> organised and kind of hidden things away so that you only access them when you actually need them. Um, and, and the way they were doing it, I thought was quite nice. It's, it's not out yet, not generally anyway, um, but it looks nice. Well, one thing that uh, is something that uh, has been kind of an issue for me over the last year because I'm using uh, a machine that I use an awful lot for for different things. Mm. Um, so, but I open my browser and all the tabs that I've pinned to be open are tabs that I need for a specific purpose. Mm. And uh, at the moment, I don't have a way of just putting them into a little folder and going, that's my tabs for that, right? Or th- these are the tabs that I use for the other thing. Mm. Because when you have, say, six or seven tabs open to achieve a certain function, uh, it's nice to have them tucked away. And, you know, when you open your browser and you want nothing to do with any of those, you don't have them popping up automatically mm. uh, and have you feeling, oh, goodness, this is also the browser I use for this thing that I have to do. Um, sorry to sound vague, but you know what I mean? Yes. They're, they're I know exactly certain, what you mean. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think a lot of the tidying up there in, in Safari was quite nice. Do you know the one mm. thing um, that I think shocked a lot of people? Okay, hit me. FaceTime. Now. There is an awful lot going on with FaceTime. If you want to make a FaceTime call to somebody who's got Windows or Android, you could send them a link and talk to them. Through FaceTime. And they can catch you through their browser. Mm. That's quite nice. Again. <laughs> well, actually, in fairness, that's exactly what you do in uh, in Teams. Exactly. You don't have Teams downloaded. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I suppose good, maybe good, not good, as good awesome meetings. as not, it not, sounds. Not quite as awesome, but I think actually it's not the technicality of it; it's that Apple allowed it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that is the more uh, uh, the more interesting thing. Uh, they've done some nice things, yeah, with uh, uh, FaceTime. I like the um, I like the portrait mode. Where your background, which you can get on pretty much everything else. Yeah. No, no, no. But what I mean is, if, when you when you turn your iPhone into portrait mode, okay, and you're on a mm. FaceTime call, it will automatically do that Borean effect behind you, so that everything's that little bit mm. blurry and and fuzzy, which kind of puts the concentration on you. 
Mm. So if you get a chance to look at the video, find the part where Craig is saying this because literally he looks at the camera and he goes, and you can turn it sideways and everything's blurry so that the concentration is on you. And it was oh, a real like yeah. Joey from Friends. How you doing? <laughs> I'm like, Craig, step back. <laughs> They, they're, it's so polished. You can, you, you can be fairly sure that for as long as it takes for the to develop the software, he's probably been doing a presentation on features. Oh, stop. <laughs> Do you know, all the time looking at him. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about meant working that, but I would say I would hate to work for him. I, I know nothing about him. I haven't even read anything about him. All right. I, all I know is he's to the fore at the moment. In fact, he was pretty much anchoring the, the whole thing. Tim Cook came out at the start and spoke to a whole load of avatars and said, here we go, Craig. Um, mm-hmm. But I just have a feeling he's one of these bosses who's like all smiley, high charisma. Great to meet you. Da, 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 da. But as soon as you're back in the office and if you get the tiniest little thing wrong, he's on your case like a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have standards. They, they, and you can tell by the man, he's so pristine that, you know, if that's the level of attention he pays to himself, he can be damn sure that's what he no. expects out of you. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, no, oh, yeah. no, no, I, I don't think it, nobody could attain that amount of attention with the amount of attention <laughs> he gives himself. That, that's an impossible goal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay let, let, let's talk about more features uh, listen no, spatial sound speaking just in... a quick note about attention to detail all right and i yes, noticed this sorry. on the last apple thing apple park okay. needs the grass cut no it does not it does no it does not that that is a carbon thing that's wilding and it sort of promotes wildlife and bees and carbon and carbon sink carbon absorption uh, that's there for that's like that for a reason. All right, okay. I know it looks manky, so, but so, it's there so for if a Apple's going to go that way, do we all follow suit with our own personal hygiene? If you know what I mean, uh, I'm going wild, baby. We're we're on we're all in lockdown. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you got? Uh, right, okay. Also related to iMessage, FaceTime, uh, spatial sound. One of these sort of little things that probably nobody else is going to do, mm. but it's kind of novel. Mm. Um, the idea being that if you have four windows set up in front of you uh, and you're talking to someone, the sound from each window is appropriate to if you're actually sitting with those people. Yeah. Right. So say the person that's on your right will naturally talk into your right ear and on the left as appropriate. Mm. Um it's just a, a, a nice little thing to sort of maintain the pretense of a regular conversation in person. Just a nice little UI tweak mm. um, that I think would be, you know, fun, but not essential. It's like when you, you know, have a look at a photo in iOS and you get that single frame of just the second before the image freezes, uh, where it's like, oh, OK, that's kind of fun, you know, especially if somebody is in motion and, you know, making a funny face before you know, the actual smile that they, that mm. they want recorded. Um, so yeah, we talked about uh, portrait mode. We talked about linking um, and voice isolation, a subject that we would be quite interested and happy with because at the moment your phone will pick up noise from everywhere. Uh, and this basically just hones in on your own voice so you get less extraneous noise when you're on a call with someone. Yes, and they're, they're quite good at that already. So to have improved mm. it uh, even further. 
Um, I find that with, because we do a lot, as you know, we do a lot of uh, podcasting. And even though I constantly tell people don't use Bluetooth headsets or earpods or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they do. Uh, and I can tell you that the people who use the Apple earpods are high, a much higher uh, audio quality mm. when, they're, yeah. when, when, when they're speaking than other brands. That's just something that yeah. I was. Do you know one thing I really liked though, speaking of the earpods was um, they were talking about conversation boost as well for people who, as you get older and your hearing is not quite as good, you can use them as a kind of a semi hearing aid. People like ourselves, yeah. I know, I know. Look at yourself there, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine, thank you. But I just kind of thought, I, I just just thought, because they didn't sell it as a hearing aid and they, they wouldn't want to. Who wants to buy a hearing aid? Do you know? But yeah. just the fact that it was kind of in there, kind of, hmm, that's interesting. There was one thing yeah. that I was not sure about. All right. Okay. Uh, answer to a problem that doesn't exist. And this is the whole share play that they were talking about where you can sit down and you can watch a movie with friends. Okay. And it's synced mm -hmm. so that what is displaying on your screen will be displaying on the other person's screen at exactly the same second. So firstly, yeah. I'm a bit like dubious. Does that even work? Um, and then the second thing is then as well as watching this wonderful movie, you've got a little box with your friend in it. Watching yeah. it with you so you can. See, this, this came out of our, our Zoom movie parties that we've all been having over the over the last while, mm. uh, which I which I get a kick out of. Actually, I, I, I do have to say. Um, and it's kind of a response to that. But I don't think it's necessary. Like, I mean, we're sitting there with our WhatsApp uh, or, you know, later on Zoom just mm. going, oh, you know, it's not brilliant kind of a thing. You don't necessarily need to be you know, pointing at your mates when something happens. You know, you don't do that at cinema. Why would you, why would you do that, you know, watching a movie properly? Precisely. Uh, at home. Or even at home, so, if you're there with your partner and you're watching the telly, nine times out of 10, if you say something, your partner's going, oh, shh, I'm watching this. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd get a clip in the ear for... There you go. <laughs> messing, messing around like that. <laughs> Breaking the rules, now. How, how dare we? So why, why yeah. do they kind of... I, I, I got that overall impression, though, as well. I was wondering if Steve Jobs was rolling in his grave watching that presentation. Why? Steve was very much a man of simplicity. All right. Yeah. And a single thought and do this one thing and do it well. All right. Hmm. And I think it was particularly the iPad when my drip drifted off or whatever. And they were talking about, I just got the impression was kind of like, okay, so here's the iPad. Now, if you want to do this, all you have to do is swipe the screen down. Okay. Or if you want to do that, you swipe it in from the left uh, or, and then you just pop that up and then you've got the tray. And then if you tap on that and then 14 little other things will disappear. And if you want to do the other thing, then you just turn the unit upside down. Uh, and then if you mm. want to kind of turn it off, just smash it over your knee and throw it in the bin. Yeah. It was like, What? Too much. It's doing too much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're, it seems it to be that they're they've they're pushing out every single idea that they've had. Now, lots of them are good, and lots of them are great. Mm. But I just got it was just this is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, and like eighty percent of it was yeah, that's nice. You know, and yeah, it's you and I nice. kind yeah, of yeah. Um, you and I. I know we had different things. But you really liked the universal control so you could work mm -hmm. across two or three different devices to get what it is you needed done. And I really liked the privacy. Mm -hmm. And then everything mm -hmm. else that they announced is just kind of, yeah, yeah. Would that be a fair comment? 
Yeah, it, it, this is the famous 80-20 rule, isn't it? It's like, um, what is it? 80% of your features are used by 20% of your customers or something it's like that. A, generally, it's, generally in business, we would say that you will make 80% of your money from 20% of your customers. That's yeah, kind of yeah. where it started out. And it's like, you know, the, and the basic thought is that the small, most important part will account mm-hmm. for the most time. Yeah. Because if you, if you look at the, the basics, as, as you say, the mm. basics of getting something right, there are an awful lot of things in iPadOS that I think people won't use. Um, mm. And I think that is a, I think this is what's happened. Like clearly the software engineers are ro- are running the show at Apple at the moment. Um, I mean, okay, it's WWDC and this is their whiz bang. Here's absolutely everything mm. we're launching. And maybe some of these things won't even make it uh, in time for launch in autumn. Maybe, yeah. You know, um, maybe some things will get dropped. Maybe some things will get tweaked. Uh, we, we don't know just yet. Uh, what the what the final version will be, and we will, we won't until September there thereabouts. Mm. But yeah, I do get the sense that the engineers are are running the show to the extent that I feel their design is letting them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the the design on their their current IMAX is a bit it's a bit middling. I think I think it, it, yeah, I'm not I'm just not a fan of it. Um, they haven't addressed the notch issue in the iPhone yet this year. Um, that's something that they're going to have to fix as well. Um, we haven't. Uh, we expected to see an M1 MacBook uh, Pro 16-inch model, uh, and we haven't this year yet. Um, and there were there was sort of talk that that was going to happen too. So yeah, I'm just not. I'm not as convinced. But can I give a, a shout out to another feature that is that I'm going to file under interesting, but is could actually be quite useful as well. But we're probably not going to see this thing for years. Uh, it's basically using augmented reality in Apple Maps. So if you get lost, you hold up your phone and your phone takes a picture of the buildings around you mm-hmm. on the basis that figures out where you are and gives you directions to where you want to be. That is a really nice use of augmented reality. That's building on something that had happened before. Hmm. And I, th- I think that's one step. I've heard of this before, and I think it's on Android uh, with Google Maps. And it's when you arrive somewhere and you, because normally when you're in London or in New York, when you come out of the subway or the tube hmm. uh, and you just come out of one of the exits and you're standing there at a junction, you've no idea where to go. All right, there's five, mm. six different directions you could go. And the way Google Maps was set up was that, okay, we know where you are, so show us the surroundings, as you said, uh, with your camera, with augmented reality, and then it'll figure out which one of those roads you need to walk down in order to go on your journey. But if, yeah. as you say with Apple, is if it doesn't know where you are and you literally mm. just are dropped in the middle of nowhere and you take out your phone and you t- show it photos of where you are around you, that's a nice adaptation. It's not the, it's not the mm-hmm. hardest thing in the world to do because the first thing it's going to do is going to pick up GPS and the location and to triangulate your position mm-hmm. from, from towers and Wi-Fi signals and whatever. So it will know very quickly where you are and then it can look up mm-hmm. the database of photography that it has there and then uh, work out your route. It's nice, though. It is nice. I liked it nice uh, on, the, on the map. <laughs> it was kind of, it was a bit cartoony, I thought. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of, oh, we've done this. And all the buildings will show up 3D now on your map and you'll be able to see. Mm. Um, but I like the way they had the, the blue arrow indicating your direction of travel and that you could mm-hmm. see where the traffic lights were. That's one thing I don't have on Google Maps yeah. that I would like. You can see where the traffic lights are for the junctions. Because when you're giving uh, directions, all right, in Ireland, you either say, all right, you go down as far as the first, second set of traffic lights and you turn left, all right? Uh, 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 Or the Mm. other way you give directions is you keep going for about a mile until you get to O'Neill's pub. (laughs) (laughs) Or or the third option, go down there. But if you do, you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go there. My favourite is always, uh, we're halfway down the road. How do I know where halfway is? But anyway, that's uh, yeah. Fast. But I did like uh, the fact that the blue arrow would, if there was a bridge that was going under, it would actually go under a bridge. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally on yeah. Google Maps, it just it just kind of flies along on top of the the map. So yeah. little things like that was nice. Overall, I just I I I thought a lot of what they introduced was good. I thought it was useful. Um, I just thought there was too much. How about yourself? Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty fair appraisal. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, if you're a developer, you probably were watching this going, you know, ticking your boxes, mm. going, yes, 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 mm. brilliant, brilliant. Uh, we can all work with this. Um, for for us, yeah, I think there was there were a couple of things that we were enamored with, uh, but there was a lot that washed over us because we've either seen it because it's either catching up with something else, yeah. or um, it's it's just a bit much for us. Because uh, as we know, Apple, not the first of the party, but they do things their way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe not as much novelty okay. as previously, but I liked universal control. You like the privacy features. I guess that's as that's a good that's a good outing. There you go. Well, listen, we leave our chat about the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference this week at that. Niall, thank you as always. Remember, uh, to keep you up to date daily on all things tech, we do have our hourly updates and daily newsletters. You can grab them for free on our website, techcentral.ie. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Electric vehicles are all the rage these days, with nearly one in 10 new cars being electric in Ireland. Another form of electric transport making headlines are e-scooters, and sometimes sadly for the wrong reasons, with people riding on footpaths and all kinds of accidents giving them a bit of a, a dangerous reputation. However, they do have great potential. And there is a lot of not so obvious, but very clever tech uh, behind them. To find out more about how they work, I'm joined by Charlie Gleason, the founder and CEO of Zip Mobility, who are bringing e-scooters to Ireland. Uh, Charlie, the first thing I suppose a lot of people think about when they hear about these e-scooters is they're not legal on the roads. What's what's the what's the crack? You're right. Thanks for having me on, Dusty, first of all. Um, and secondly, yeah, e-scooters are still not permitted on public roads at the moment. Um, so the, the gray area is pretty much as to whether scooters are mechanically propelled vehicles or mechanically assisted vehicles. Now, in the simplest term, that's pretty much should we class them as motorbikes or should we class them as regular push bikes? You know, do they need to be taxed, insured, registered, or can we just let any Tom, Dick and Harry on them? Now, legislation is in motion at the moment. So um, in the summer legislative pro- uh, program, an amendment to the Road Traffic Act is included, which involves the legislation of e- or uh, is to legislate for e-scooters. Mm. Um, so we expect that to happen, um, you know, this summer. We're definitely hopeful that it'll happen before the end of the year. 
Do you reckon that they're going to be all taxed and insurance and all that? I mean, they're too small for all that, I think. No, I, I don't think so. I think they'll be much closer to a push bike. I hmm. think uh, they will be ridden in cycle lanes, cycle paths and on the road and they won't be on footpaths. Um, will they be taxed and insured? I don't think they'll be taxed. Insurance for regular users, probably not. You know, if you're buying a, a scooter from Halfords, I don't imagine you'll have to insure it. Hmm. But for shared operators like ourselves, um, we will have to get insurance for our riders. So we'll all of our riders so far in the UK have third-party cover and personal accident insurance as well. Grand. Um, of course, one of the advantages of uh, scooters is just the fact that it, it's running on a small battery and it's not affecting the environment really. Uh, and from your point of view, how do you always pitch the advantages of, of, of e-scooters? Yeah, well, like, look, the two problems that we're trying to solve are kind of hand in hand and they're congestion and carbon emissions. So, you know, 40% of car journeys are less than two miles and in our eyes can easily be replaced by scooters. As well as that, you know, Ireland aren't doing very well in terms of their action against climate change and they're pretty far down the list when uh, of the EU countries anyway. Um, now, both congestion and carbon emissions, a large part of that is caused by what's known as the last mile problem. Now, the last mile problem in this context is the difficulty of getting people to and from public transport links, as well as any other journey between, say, one and five kilometers. Uh, and this is the perfect journey for an electric scooter. So scooters can solve this problem and, and shared scooters in particular. Uh, so shared scooters can provide like a quick and convenient way to get people to and from these public transport links, as well as any other journey between yeah one and five kilometers. I know exactly what you're saying. I, I live a half hour walk from the train station. So uh, in the morning, it's great. In the evening, when I'm coming back, it's like, oh, God, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's by, you know, by providing a vehicle that increases accessibility mm -hmm. of public transport, it reduces the number of people or reduces the reliance on cars. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, 25 to 35 percent of scooter sharing journeys would have been car journeys if that scooter sharing option wasn't available. So there's been 500 million scooter sharing journeys taken so far and on average based on those numbers you know over 125 million car journeys have been replaced so far in the last kind of four years by scooter sharing so we're seeing a huge modal shift as a result of implementing scooter sharing schemes across the world yeah the other thing about scooters is that they're they're small and they're light and are highly portable um Tell me about if you want to sign up for these uh, scooters. Uh, do you do it via an app? Do you have to go via a website? Do you have to go to a store? How do you, how do you work it? Yeah, so I probably should have explained that first and foremost. Our, our service is scooter sharing. So Zip Mobility is the name of our company. And, and the way the service works is there's scooters dotted around the town or city that we're operating in. You download the Zip Mobility app. You locate your nearest scooter using the map on the app. Uh, and then you scan the QR code located on the scooter, which initiates the electrics. And that allows you to just ride to your destination. So you just simply walk up to a scooter, scan on, ride to your destination and scan off. And uh, now one thing that we have that's, uh, I would imagine that it might be your next question is, where can you pick them up from? Where can you drop them off? Uh, in the industry in general, people allow you to pick up and drop off your scooters anywhere. So that's great from a user's perspective, but causes major issues for the local authority and for other road users uh, particularly vulnerable road users or people with visual impairments potentially causing trip hazards. So what we do differently is we actually have virtual parking bays dotted around the towns and cities that we operate in. So this is where we'd have, say, for example, in Dublin, we'd have 
thousands of painted parking bays on the ground, uh, which means that you have to pick up and drop off your scooters in these designated areas. And that kind of makes sense as well, because you know where to go to get your nearest scooter. If there's one every two roads or whatever, or it's only a couple hundred metres, you're you're, um, laughing with it. Um, How do you charge the scooters then? So again, this is something that uh, we do kind of differently. Um, So in the industry in general, uh, typically scooter sharing operators use gig economy employees or outsourced operations to charge and redistribute the scooters. So this is where you get the likes of your delivery drivers, your independent contractors to collect the scooters, bring them back to their homes, charge them overnight and redistribute them the next day. So this allowed a lot of companies to scale very quickly, uh, but causes obvious issues and there's ethical issues. There's, you know, carbon emissions issues like, you know, a lot of these independent contractors actually use cars to charge and redistribute the scooters, which negates any potential positive environmental impacts of electric scooters. So we kind of noticed this as something that needed to be improved. So what we do is we actually have full-time staff operating from a centralized warehouse where we charge and redistribute the scooters. Secondly, we actually have swappable batteries. So instead of bringing scooters in a lorry back to a warehouse, charging them overnight and redistributing them the next day, we simply go out to the scooters on the streets and replace the dead battery packs. And we actually do this using electric cargo bikes and electric vans as well. So always pushing towards that carbon neutrality. You must have some kind of control with the scooters because you use the app and the app identifies people with a very specific scooter that they are renting. What's to stop people from stealing them, taking them out of the area, uh, going places that they shouldn't? Okay, so there's there's a few things there. Let, let's talk about the hardware first. Um, I know you alluded to, you know, the scooters are, are light and you can pick them up mm. and you fold them and you can bring them around like under your arm. The scooters that we use are, are very, very different to that. Uh, these are complete tanks. They're made with aircraft-grade aluminium, you know, 10-inch te- airless twi- tires. They're about three times the size of a regular scooter and they're around three or four times the weight of them as well. Uh, reason being is because, you know, these things are being left out overnight. They need to be durable. They're being ridden a lot more than a regular uh, scooter, uh, again, that you buy from Halford. So they need to be uh, durable. So, um, you know, physically, they're very hard to lift because they're very heavy. Uh, and um, as well as that, all of them are GPS tracked. So, you know, say, for example, if I walk up to a scooter and um, that I haven't scanned onto and I try and move it, an alarm goes off. So they're alarmed, uh, but also they're tracked. So if I do manage to get it into the back of a van, uh, no doubt there'll be zip employees chasing after you very soon. Uh, so relationships with the, you know, the, the police in the UK and on Gardaí corner here will be really, really important. Uh, just to, yeah, if there is any issues of vandalism or theft or misuse, that we have that relationship to go to. Um, as I said, you know, these things are, are a feature, but they're definitely not a problem, and it's all very manageable. Uh, so yeah, they're they're all tracked is the main thing. Now, so that's kind of vandalism, theft, hardware. Now, thinking about it from a user's perspective, um, say, for example, uh, we have a license for Dublin and someone fancies going to Bray. Um, we actually have a geofence around the, around the service area. So if you uh, try and leave a service area, if you try and leave the, the geofence, the scooter will actually start beeping and it will slow down and come to a stop. So we have control as, as to whether the scooters, where the scooters can and can't go. Even within the service area, we actually have multiple geofences uh, using GPS technology for slow speed zones as well. So say, for example, uh, Dublin City Council said, we want people to be able to go down Grafton Street, but only at five kilometers per hour. We could enable that. 
or if they said we don't want people going into Stevens Green, we could um, you know geofence that area to make it a no-go zone. So we have slow speed zones and no-go zones all over uh, the towns and cities we operate in. And that is good because you need to take into account all the road users as well and pedestrians, of course, uh, even more so because pedestrians don't zip along like a, a zip mobility scooter will. Um, tell me about the price. Uh, you said that an average journey is only like a, a mile or two. Um, it takes less than 10 minutes. How, how much would it cost you? Yeah, like we operate like we well, we operate in the UK at the moment. By the end of the summer, we'll operate, you know, across mainland Europe as well. Uh, so price will change depending on the country, but UK is a pretty you know, strong comparable. Uh, it, and in the UK, we charge one pound to unlock the scooter and either 10 or 15p per minute thereafter. So looking at, say, one of our markets in Somerset, it's 10p per minute so, and one, one pound unlock and 10p per minute. So for a 10 minute journey, you'd just be looking at two pounds. So in most cases, it's cheaper th- than the bus. Oh, absolutely. And it's there whenever you need it and you don't have to wait for the bus to come along. Like, you know, I know I, th- I think they're great. And I think if we get them organised well and we use technology to full advantage, which it sounds like uh, you are doing, I think they will be a huge success. You can get more about the app and the details at zipmobility.com. And we'll have that link in our show notes as well. But for now, uh, Charlie from Zip Mobility, thanks for chatting to us. Thanks, Emil. That's it for our podcast for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, as always, thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.